Okay, we shall start. Hi, I'm Akria Jamfi, founder of The British Blacklist, and it is my pleasure. I've been wanting to speak to this young man for a while now, and I don't know why he's escaped me, my clutches, but now I've got him. Ha <laughs> I've, I've landed the wonderful, please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Abu Bakr Salim. Uh, I'm an actor, producer, game developer. I do some writing every now and then. Yeah, and, and businessman. <laughs> you surely are a businessman because what I love when I see the creatives in this field of industry that I'm in is the multitasking. But I like the multitasking where it seems like you're in control of the multitasking, where mm. you're actually living out the best bits of who you are. I don't think anyone's introduced themselves as a businessman. And what does a businessman mean to you? What does that mean? But businessman is really about kind of making opportunity, making financial as well as you know creative opportunity out of anything right that's kind of what it is like I think a lot of the time when people think business they think corporate they think financial they think all this sort of stuff but actually I think it's about finding a way of working in an environment which you craft and adapt yourself essentially that's what I think is is, is a businessman you know some people call it artist some people call it entrepreneur right it's just I, but that's kind of that's kind of the way that I see it. It's 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 being in control of the things that I, I enjoy doing and being able to make a living out of it too. So, so you started out as an actor. Yeah. And even though acting is one of those, it's, it's, an, it's a profession, a career path that people, you know, many of us dream to be that actor in mm. that perfect role in that perfect thing to get the accolades of an actor. But then on the flip side, sometimes actors are just seen as puppets to be moved about. And it's yeah. and say it's just acting. But seeing the business angle of it all, um, I think is a smart move. Do, when did the realization that acting is a business kick in for you? I think it was gen there was a there was a person who once um told me that um I did this play, this like physical theater play back at home in Welling Garden, where I was playing Satan. <laughs> and um okay. it was as you do uh it was for Dante's Inferno and it was one of those things where again I didn't really know much about acting and, and what about it but this guy came up to me and I don't know who he was whether he was a dad of someone it was for this uh, this youth theater thing he came up to me and said hey you know you could you should you could do this professionally right you could make money out of this right or what you do you're good you could do it and I think it was there where I was like huh mm. I can make money out of doing this stuff that I like doing, you know, and at the time, right. Most of my friends who were either working at like Sainsbury's or, you know, or John Lewis or like, you know, working at, you know, as a sales assistant kind of thing, like there's to make ends meet, not necessarily getting paid like um, the full-time work, but, you know, doing it on the weekends or whatever. And to me, that really never appealed to me just because I always wanted to, to, I always found time to be quite precious. And I always find it to be like, you know, you've got to, if you can try to do and, and do the things that you enjoy doing mm. with the time that you have. And that's something that my, my mum and dad taught me very, very early on. So it was one of those things where I was just like, okay, if I'm going to start making money, if I want to do some, you know, do, do that anyway, I, I need to enjoy doing it. Hence the acting. You, I'm going to make a terrible, terrible segue. You mentioned your mum and dad. Yeah. You play father. I know. <laughs> raised by wolves. And I'm not ever implying that you were raised by wolves. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it did, it did feel like it, though. Sometimes it felt like they had no idea what they were doing at the time when they were raising me. So. 
<laughs> Honestly, are you a parent? Uh, no, 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 no. Honestly, as a parent, we do not know what the hell we are doing. Really? So father and mother in Raised by Wolves, mother and father, um, Salim, it, it's, it's, real, <laughs> it's real talk. We don't know what we're doing half the time. We just figure it out. But um, Honestly. playing a father, mm. a very different father. What, I mean, how far into your career is this? It's like, where are you in your career? Are you in the middle bit? You're in the first quarter, third quarter. What do you think? What do you you say? know what? I, I, it's one of those things where I feel like I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know where I am. However, what I can say is I feel like I am just beginning and I'm learning a lot more. Okay. I do feel like, you know, it, it, it's, it's been, even though I've been, I've been acting now for almost 13 years, it feels like I'm literally just getting my stride and I'm starting to get to know who I am, what I, what I am. And I'm learning and I'm, and I'm taking that in. You know, I think I've gone through many evolutions before that, but it's just only till now where I'm like, oh, okay, this is where my feet are. Mm. I'm not sliding anywhere now. <laughs> I hear you. And I think it's very, it's very metaphorical because like father is an android and mm. is evolving with what it means to be, exist like that. Yeah. The humans and mm-hmm. their many, many flaws. What what are you discovering about yourself? Because you're saying that you're 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 finally kind of realizing who you are as an actor, and I guess as a human being. Yeah. Playing the role of father. What in Raised by Wolves? What are you learning about yourself? What's it showing you? It's showing me that even even if you like, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, you know, you can be an android with Google in your head, and you still don't have all the answers. Like yeah. I think like that is like that was one of the biggest lessons I've kind of taken out of that is the sense that, you know, no one has all the answers. You just have to keep going and make do with what you can to the best of your, um, you know, scenario and situation. Um, And that's where father's at, right? Father's father has a job and objective to raise the children in season one, to keep them safe. He kind of does. So season two comes along and the children are kind of safe because they're in this atheist colony. His job's done. So what does he do now? Do you know? And he's almost trying to figure that out as he's going along. And I think, again, I think we're always just trying to figure things out as human beings. And until you, until you accept that, it's only when you can actually start, I feel, progressing, progressing forward and moving forward. In a show like this. Yeah. And it's showing you... Because I find that we're, we're in me, this is me conspiracy tin. I'm a bit tin full hatty. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Conspiracies are great. <laughs> yeah, okay, 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 okay. So, like, I think we're shown how, like, it, this is not, it's not anything prophetic, but I think we are told how life can go through our art. Whatever kind of mad creative geniuses, the people that get to have their shows on the platforms or the, the places that we get to see them, there's a lot of prophecy. And I think there's a, we get told what we should do and what we shouldn't do. What's mm. it like being on a show that's kind of saying, this is how we could do it. This is how you should potentially, you know, where it's kind of foretelling, advising. What's it like being in a space that with the cast and knowing that you're make believing something that could actually happen. And it's a bit handmade tale type thing. Like, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's terrifying. Cause it's yeah. again, it's, like, it's so scary. Cause it's like, it's one of those things where you you know what's going to happen, but you also don't. And you're also, you know where, what the right path is, but you know also that you're not going to go down. It's it's weird. It's so, it is a very weird 
but I guess that's that's the that's the beauty of of storytelling and, and sort of make believe, right? I think there's a lot to be said about um, the power of storytelling as a as a way of showing us like one way or many different other ways and perspectives one and also different ways of doing things and taking things on board and i think and you know the either the mistakes people make or the successes people make i think that's the power of it it's, it's us as human beings being able to visually see you know the uh the journeys that these characters go through but yeah it's terrifying <laughs> it's so it, it, it's crazy it's so crazy and like when you think you've cracked it and then it suddenly pulls the rug from under your feet you're just like great i'm back to square one <laughs> like i don't know do you guys ever like do, do you and your fellow castmates ever sit down and like yo this is mad like all the time <laughs> all the time like honestly one of the things is with the, especially with this script like this is this is one of those shows where because i look i've read a lot of scripts like and I, you know through my career you know my agent has sent me so much content and so much stuff and mm-hmm. even myself like i've tried to write crazy scripts this script is like this show is crazy like it's it's on another level and i think what's so brilliant about that is because it's unapologetically just aaron the writer and i think honestly i remember there was a moment and i'm not i don't want to spoil it just in case people haven't seen season two yet but there was a moment in season two where i remember we got the script we read it and i was convinced that the production company were pulling my leg. Like I, th- I thought that they had literally sent me one to to just you know as a joke script. So then I when I messaged the rest of the team and everyone else, we were all just in absolute shock because we didn't see that happening. We couldn't see that happening. And lo and behold, it happens, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I was going to say that when you get those things in scripts, and I suppose any script, not just raised by walls. When you get that moment in a script, you're like. Nah, bruv, this is not going to run. We're going to get literally like, crucified by the audience, or yep. how are we supposed to act this with a straight face or with a serious or how are we supposed to do this? Honestly, from day one, and this is this is something as well that I've learned from working with Ridley. From day one, when he put us in those latex suits, yeah. I was thinking, this show, I, I've I've this is it. This is the end of my career. This is like people are gonna people are gonna look at me differently. They're gonna treat me differently. All the roles I'm gonna be going up for it are, are gonna be are gonna hit differently. These latex suits are just gonna kill me and Amanda. <laughs> and I remember even asking Ridley, like I think it was after there was a certain episode where in season one uh, where the suit gets damaged, and I'm just like, hey, oh, suit's damaged. Maybe I can wear something else. And he's like, nah, they're self healing. And I'm like, oh, man, that's. <laughs> not gonna fly anyway cut to the end of season one it it airs and everyone's really really loving it the most like the questions that i get asked most of the time is about the suit and how incredible it looks you know in this kind of you know surreal show and i and that was the day i remember thinking oh great this is this is it this is me now (laughs) i must say you do look good in the suit. You and Amanda, you compliment each other. It's Thank very you. form-fitting. It's, it's, it's complimentary. Thank you. It's it's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work, but, like, it is really... Is it hot? Uh, it, it's both hot and cold. It's one of those things where it's... Because it restricts any sort of airflow, it just... It, the wind is freezing and the heat is unbearable. There are moments where I'd literally lift my arm up and it's like trickle of rainbow sweat would 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 arc with me too and there are moments where it was you know there was just a bit of a chill and we would be shivering 
it would be so cold. It, it, it's such a it's such a crazy suit. Like it's such a crazy piece of equipment that we have to wear as as, an, as actors. But it helps. It it helps a lot, right? It complements how we walk, how we look, how we hold ourselves. Like it does a lot of the job for us, you know, in regards to playing androids. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I can imagine putting. I mean, I, if I had one of those suits, first of all. All the steady light would be hidden, um, and I'd be happy. <laughs> it, would, it would. I can imagine. I could. How else? How else could I be? I'd ima- immediately start speaking staccato and be. I'm telling you, you hold yourself in a way. The yeah. one thing that I I just don't understand is how it's a kink. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I don't. We don't. I don't want to expose my thoughts and processes, but I understand. I don't know, yeah. man. I don't know. I think. I think for me, smelling smelling the latex and then the towel comp- I, yeah. I just. I just don't. I just can't get it. I, I just it. can't. I do get it because people are mad. Um, and yeah, <laughs> actually, I won't even say that people have their things. They have their, they have their things. Sure. Have, have you discovered like a like a you know? There's definitely probably a forum dedicated to you. And America. oh, a hundred percent. Oh, the think- amount of the like, honestly, even even on on in, Insta sort of message requests, like <gasps> it's it's something else. It's it's hilarious because you know every every now and then you get like the you get the lovely person who's like I really love the show it's fantastic and then you get the person being like hey I've got this really interesting sex toy would you like to be an ambassador of it and I'm like okay guys <laughs> you could make super mu- listen OnlyFans is a thing out there <laughs> honestly not to reduce you to just a mere sexual toy hey it's a business. However, <laughs> it's a business you're a businessman man it's a businessman. <laughs> And okay, okay, so moving. So I mean, season 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 two is done and dusted, right? Everyone can see. Yeah. So we're we're doing this kind of retrospectively. We're going to point people to watching it um, after the fact, catch up, rewatch, start again. Hundred percent. Um. Do you, do you do you are you someone? Can you watch yourself back? Can you? Yeah, I don't I don't mind that because again at the same time I, I again I I think I see it as a, in a different perspective, right? I, I I do see the the work. I, I I watch myself critically, and I think like I'm I I and Ridley always used to say this as well. He, he used to say like you got to watch yourself, man. You got to watch your stuff because otherwise, how how else are you going to get better? Sure. Um, and I think it's 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 finding that this it's a skill to to watch yourself and be able to critically analyze rather than necessarily put your ego there. And I think like I do that, I do that a lot. You know, I I, I try and I try and um. I'd watch something first to watch the story as a whole and the universe as a whole. And then I'll try and watch my, my performance and almost be like, cool. Okay. That I remember, I remember that day. I remember that scene. I remember feeling this way, you know, okay, that worked. That didn't work. Okay. So it, it is, it's, it's, it's an art, you know, it's an art form. I think like in the same way that painters constantly, you know, they, they work and they do their paintings. It's not like they just completely throw it away and forget about it. No, they, they look at what worked or what didn't work and they go back to the drawing board and they go again. And I think that's the only way that you can truly better yourself. Um, and I think safely as well, because I think, you know, by having that, that, that disconnect and seeing it as work and seeing it as a job, because it is, it's, it's not, it's not life. I feel, I feel like it's, 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 it's an art form that needs to be constantly worked on like a, like a, like a tool. Right. And I think like, you have to you have to have that critical eye in order to 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 do the best of what you can do yeah fully agree fully agree how much does your kenyan heritage you see because everybody's Ghanaian or nigerian right so you know there's not much love or recognition for the other africans yeah 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 how much does being kenyan play into who you are 
what you do? A lot, I think. And I think like it's it's really it's funny, you know, because I think what what's also really what's also really striking and different from my upbringing and you know, my my perspective anyway is that you know I, I'm I'm first generation. So my parents came from Kenya to here. So I'm really kind of close. I'm there, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm there. Whereas a lot of my, my friends or even, and even some of my family as well are like either third or fourth or whatever, you know, generation. And you can, you can see the, the difference. And I think that for me, it's really, it really has played a part in, in, in who I am just because of the fact that I have been so closely, like closely knit to that, yeah. um, to that culture, to that family. Um, all my cousins, because I came quite late. I'm, you know, I'm only 29, but you know, my sister's, I think she's she's 50 something in the 50s now. Um, so I came quite late. And I think like all my cousins as well are you know, are, are like me, either they were born in Kenya, like my sister, or they were, you know, born here, but first generation. And I think it's definitely heavily affected how I hold myself, how I, you know, how I talk and and you know who I am. But also what's really what is I and I don't want to negate that is the fact that I was brought up here in England. And I think like there was a and not even just like in London, I was brought up in Hertfordshire. Yeah. So it really is like a that's a real element there of like thinking, okay, so I've got there's Hertfordshire Abu, there's you know, Kenya Abu, and it's like these two are like every now and then they're like meet up every now and then and sometimes they go different directions. It's a it's a weird one. It's a really weird one. I can absolutely understand that. Um, so, I mean, because like I said, everyone is either Nigerian or Ghanaian. Mm. Uh, what's a very Kenyan thing that oh, man. identifiable as a Kenyan trait? It's so funny, actually, you know, because I was about the first, the first thing that came to my mind was rocking up late to a party. But I think that's just a general African that's thing. Like... You can't claim that. I'm Ghanaian. I know my not everyone. We claim... We... But hold on, I'm my mother's daughter, so I'm right. there three hours before because mm. my mother's daughter, she's that person. However, Africans don't do party early at all. Yeah, no, dude, they don't do, and I think there's a lot of this. This is, and you know what? There's 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 something there's something to be said about how how closely and beautifully connected all these different cultures are. Honestly. Like even like the next thing I was going to say was, well, actually then maybe it's education and wanting to get a good education, you know, like parents forcing education. And I'm thinking, how many of my friends have I heard have been like, no, mom said I should be a doctor or a lawyer or a pilot. And I'm like thinking, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if I had to say something that was distinctly Kenyan, I don't know, you know, it's, it's hard because I think it's, there, it's, it's almost, it's just a flavor to what, you know, for example, of, of that culture that brings to it. So for example, even the music of, you know, music of Kenya, Swahili music is, there's a beauty and there's a, there's a real rhythm and a, and, a, and a love to it. In the same way that, you know, when you listen to like Niger music, it's the, you know, there is a, there is a, it's almost quite, there's again, it's, it's got its own sort of beat, its own culture, its own sort of sense of identity, which I think really is quite, rare to find in 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 most cultures in the world you know mm. yeah i get it i guess you get it yeah you get it I yeah get it. okay okay good um um i want to ask you mr businessman about mm. your gaming world because i i'm not a gamer but i'm right. fascinated with the world of gaming right um, and definitely from the perspective of doing british blacklist and exploring the worlds of representation and whether where we are lacking Mm. Um, or where we're less visible. I, I I have known of you as an actor, and then I was like, oh my god, you've got this Silver Range Games. Yeah. 
and so you're doing this type of thing and I'm like okay this is I love that's what I think I loved is that finding out that you're expanding and exploring 100 percent and yeah look Where and that's come from so I, I I actually even say that my love for acting and my love for storytelling came from games ah. from the get-go because it was you know growing up again in 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 a in Hertfordshire where I wasn't really exposed to much theatre cinema wasn't really a thing that my family did a lot but um again the stories that I'd see on TV didn't necessarily connect with me. No one looked like me, first of all. Um, I was severe, I mean, you know, I am severely dyslexic in the sense that I, I struggle to read um, and just, it, it, it takes me a while. Okay. So the idea of, um, of book reading was, is, is a, it's, it's another story in itself. Um, so, but the act of actually playing a game where you are controlling a character and you're going through the story and the journey of what the character is going through actively really resonated with me as, a, as um, at a young age, because I am spending what, eight, 10, 15, 20 plus hours with this character as they go through this journey, which, you know, again, TV, film, all characters go through journeys, but you are passively watching them do it. Whereas by actually having your hands on a controller and directing that character, you actually actively feel a part of that journey that you're going with them. And so for me, I was really moved and incredibly, you know, connected to the games that I'd be playing as a kid, right? And these stories that were kind of being exposed to me. Um, so really that's where it started. And after a while, um, I remember uh, going through the whole drama school and everything and being like, oh man, I shouldn't play games as much. You know, I had my mom and dad also telling me like, don't play games. You should, if, you, if you studied as much as you played games, you'd be, you know, you'd be so far. Anyway, now look at me. But the point <laughs> is, it's like, but, um, but the thing is, it's that it was a moment where I, I remember again, going through this, 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 this phase of thinking, no, I, I'm, I, I can't play games because it's, it's time wasting. I should be watching film and TV and da, 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 da. And then I realized actually that games are as much as an art form. Yeah. And as, as, as well as communicating storytelling messages, you know, moving people as is film, TV and books. And by accepting that as well instead of me, and that was during season one of, of Raised by Wolves, I was like, you know what? And I've always wanted to drive, I always wanted to make stuff. And I always said, you know, what? instead of maybe doing a film first or like a, a TV of my TV show of my own first or that, I'm gonna actually do a game. Mm. Because I think there's something to be said about the power of making games. So yeah, cut to, um, you know, the pandemic and uh, me sort of coming at this, you know, this game studio uh, with all force that I can, you know, learning as much as I can, talking to people, learning about the development of games. Because it it's, it's, it's a different beast, but not in the way that it's quite young still. But yeah. to, you know, there's the amount of work and effort needed to make games is a lot, but it isn't that much different to film and TV, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, now it's um now we're this studio of of thirty five people just making this making our first sort of debut game, which um thirty five. Yep. I almost and, put it on my drink. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thirty five <laughs> people, and it's and it's growing, you know, and I, and and I think the one thing that I've been really keen on as well is it's it's funny you whenever we go into these art in any industry, there's always there's always bad eggs, okay. and I'm of the mentality of like. If I'm in the if I'm in the driver's seat, I don't want any bad eggs. I can actually say who you know whether you're gonna whether you're in or you're, whether you're out, and that to me is important. And I think like to set that example for the next generation is 
making waves in regards to what you know what can what can be doing you know what can do in the future and i think also the content that you make is really important especially with games games has this bad rap about it being all about killing and about shooting when actually there isn't i think it's very much it's 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 only one slither of what the actual industry is you know in the same way that like you get those kind of crazy grotesque sort of films out there which you yeah. can question whether you know should exist or not I think with games there is a there it's an art form it's a there is a there is something more to it and I think to be able to have the opportunity to tell those stories is important. I fully agree and um it, you know all the, the bad stuff always gets the loudest makes the loudest noise. No. Um so tell us about the game is origin. The game is it oh. you're working from? Is it Origins or what's it called? The one. Oh, so no. So we're partnered with EA. We're partnered with EA Originals. Right. So EA. So EA have, have given us money to make this game. Okay. I can't tell you much about the game oh, because I'm not allowed to. Oh. No. See, I can't. So Origins. So so Origins. So what you what you? I see what you said. Okay. Assassin's Creed Origins. So. Oh, sorry, my bad. No, don't. No, it's all good. So Assassin's Creed Origins, and that's actually, it's funny that you, it's good that you mentioned that because Assassin's Creed Origins was the first game that I did a voiceover of. That's what, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So that's the first game I did a voiceover of. And that was of a massive franchise, Assassin's Creed, which is, you know, known, yeah. right? Um, But that was also the first window into what it means to make games for me. Like I had always imagined that game, the games industry, people were, you know, either sitting behind their computers or or like in the in the games itself that made these games. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was actually people who from all aspects, artists, yeah. producers, writers, like all these different things who actually contribute to making a game. Yeah. So that was like almost, I that was so eye-opening for me. And that's where the inspiration for me being like, I could do a studio like this. I could do this. So that's where it came from. So Assassin's Creed Origins was the first game that I, as an actor, did. But this game that I'm making now with Silver Rain Games, um, this is the first game I'm making as a developer, being in the driving seat of it. Right. Thank you. So Assassin's Creed Origin was the origin of you getting into this thing. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a good. That's 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 your segue, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just killing it out here. I didn't you, you are smashing it. Um. Okay. So our uh, half an hour is nearly up. We're up, kinda. I was going to say, um, so did you mm. study? So, have you studied developer? Are you a developer? Listen, please come and help me with my website. Did you, did you get that? People are like, <laughs> I'm in gaming, but then people are like, oh, can you just fix the. Could you just fix website? the. Yeah, can you yeah. Man, so, so, no, I didn't. So, this is another thing, right? I didn't study game design or game developing. Right. I just threw myself in, I, I threw myself in an, in an industry that I was incredibly passionate about. Like, okay. it was, you know, it was a. I, I, I played a lot of games, one. But I also spoke to a lot of people in the industry and asked questions. And this is something that I even say to the, you know, to the people in the studio. It's like, you've got to ask questions. If you don't understand anything, if you don't know what it is, if no, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Ask it. Because how are you going to grow and how are you going to learn? Either way, I wouldn't have had a studio if I didn't ask questions of, you know, even the stupid questions of how did you start a studio? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's something that is so integral and important. In order to in order to progress as a human being is to ask questions and that's kind of how i learn and i'm still learning and i'm still you know i'm still even learning about acting so it's it's something that and that's another mentality that i just try and keep in, in mind it's like i just don't again back to raised by wolves you don't know any everything man <laughs> and accept that honestly i hear you okay so i'm gonna ask you some quick fire round questions and i shall let you go back to your go show. for it this is the part where we say we're going to get to know you a bit, a little bit more intimately. Um, right. Give me a book that you have to have in your collection wherever you go. What one? Wherever I go. 
book, I would say. I know you said you don't like books. It could be an yeah. book, or it could be a help book, or it could not be a book. That's what I'm thinking. The Examined Life. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up here. Where is it? Uh, oh, I, I don't get yeah. Examined Life. Oh. It's a book on how we lose and find ourselves. And it's oh. about, and it's this uh, therapist who basically essentially shares stories of the people that he's spoken to. Um, in therapy, obviously, uh, and it's incredible, incredible oh, wow. book. Okay, that's a see for someone who doesn't like books, that's a good book. Well done. Um, give me a song or an album that you that you'd say defines the soundtrack of your life to date. To date, oh man. Okay, I would say, um, probably. Uh, to date, probably, uh, oh man, what's it? There's an album that I, I think, it, it, would it be one that I constantly listen to? It could be, it's something that just, cause I also, you know, when people struggle with the answer, then I say something that maybe your family or friends, if they put this song on or this album on, or the genre on, you Abu are going to be bum flicking and twerking or shaking your head till the song is done because it's your favorite thing. Okay, I, it's, it's, um. It's definitely, it's def I think it's the untitled album by, by Kendrick Lamar. Oh, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. 100%. Okay, cool. Okay, give me a film or a TV show that you will watch whenever it's on. You've seen it a thousand times. And whenever it's on, you'll still watch it. Atlanta. Fine. Um, give me something that you saw on stage that left a lasting impact. And that could be from a play to a concert to anything, but anything that you saw on a stage. Metallica Live. No, actually. Black Sabbath live. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be that, oh my God, you're black and you listen to Black Sabbath. <laughs> also, I don't want to be, you're like five years old. What do you know about Black Sabbath? Oh man, listen, it was the first, it was the first concert I went to as a as a as a festival. Uh, it was a metal festival in Nebworth as a kid. And it was Dio actually. Watch seeing Dio live on stage. That was, I think that was the last time he actually performed live as well. And I'm not even kidding. It was sunny when Dio came on. It started raining and it was beautiful. And then as soon as he left, it finished. And I was like, oh my God. And that was, that was crazy. And I'd say Metallica because Metallica were brilliant. I'm trying to think if I have a Metallica song in my arsenal. I might do. Because when I, because you're a baby. When I was, <laughs> like, it was like rock was a, a, a lot more prevalent than the whole black culture movement that we're in now. Yeah. So you, it was more accessible to have a rock tune kind of slip into your playlist than it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, like, and you said, okay, okay, okay. I see you. I see you, Abu. Yeah. Um, and finally, what's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? What's made me sad, mad, and glad? I think this, this, the sadness is the fact that um. And this is this is repeated actually. Is the fact that like I feel like we've completely forgot like the whole Ukraine Russia thing is going on, and it feels like it is less it's being less covered, and it's like almost like oh okay it happened, and then now we're moving on. I think that's what's been that's what's made me really sad and also quite mad. But I think um, if I was going to say another mad thing, I'd say it's that Roe v Wade kind of stuff, and reading more into that. That's just 
I don't even, I, I sometimes it's, it's, yeah, I don't even, I don't even have words for that. Um, what's made me glad though, what's made me glad actually, getting to talk to a lot more people here um, uh, in the, in this, in, in like in the sort of interviewing space and in industry, right? And doing this actual run with Oli. Like, like seriously, like it's 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 generally like um, I think the the Premier team have actually really exposed me to some really cool people this oh. week, and I really I've really actually enjoyed that. That's so cool. That's yeah. actually so so cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. That's really sweet. Um. Um. That's really good because people don't actually recognize what it takes to get sometimes get these conversations going. 100%. It, it's up. a lot of work. And sometimes, especially from my perspective, being a Black platform that's tried to get to a place where I am, mm. because sometimes you guys are behind a wall. And right. some, some PRs just don't get it. And I must say, I, I can say, I've built a very great relationship with Premier PR and amongst others. And it is yeah. understanding the value of, from my perspective and from some black talent that we speak to. So even having that common, just a familiar conversation with someone that kind of gets it, not to say that anyone else from any other world can't, but this is important to me. So having, that's an interesting thing that you said and a really lovely thing to say, because on the, even though it's not directed at myself, it's more about the fact that these people, Premier pulled it together. It's really- 100%. It's really important. I think it's so, I think it's so important. And I think it's one of those things that, as you said, like it's so overlooked. Like. Yeah to be actually given a chance to have your voice heard is, is it's, it's such a privilege and it's such a, it's, it's such a gift. Um, and to be able to talk also with, with, with like-minded individuals or even people who think differently, like yeah. to be, to be exposed to that is so, so incredible. And yeah. yeah, so that's actually, that's something that I'd really take from this, this week, actually. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm glad you're glad about that. I'm glad I've spoken to you because it's finally, 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 finally happened. <laughs> finally happened um can you well, like point us in the direction so where can we watch raised by wolves season one mm. and season two so yeah so so raised by wolves can now be watched one and two can now be watched on now so it's not now tv it used to be now tv but it's called now it's the now, now, now. app now it's called um, yeah now it's called now uh in in america uh it's hbo max or even in africa it's show max so um so yeah you can watch it there um I think that's that's it really for now. Because it's on now. Because it's on now. <laughs> ah, I've got puns and segues for days. But anyway, oh. thank you so much. I really appreciate it.